you believe you, you need alcohol to have fun or you need alcohol for this reason and for that reason and to relax and to sleep and da, da, da. they're all just beliefs really and so you know that when you look back when I look back at myself four years ago I would say you weren't being real Terry you weren't being real you you were afraid to tell people your truth all the time I think I was being what I wanted to try and be if that makes sense um but not really who i really am and i think part of this journey the nicest part of this journey is being that process of acceptance hello and welcome to behind the mother mask i'm your host annie breen registered nutritional therapist, master NLP practitioner, and transformational coach for exhausted mums who don't feel enough. My mission with this podcast is to lead with vulnerability by starting to lift the psychological mask you wear each day that protects you and others from the stuff that's hard to explain and talk about. It's about sharing from the middle, not just the open wounds or the healed scabs, but the messy middle. Let's go for honesty over perfection. Because I believe when you transform yourself, you automatically transform your relationships and parenting by passing down wisdom, not wounds. So if you're up for that, you definitely don't need to do it alone. I'm here to lead you on what could be the greatest adventure of your life behind the mother mask back home to yourself. Hello and welcome back to Behind the Mother Mask. We are on episode 13. Um, How are you? Let me know how you're doing. I love to hear from you in my DMs, so drop me a message. So, This week, this is another person that I came across on Instagram and just loved what she was doing and resonated because this week I'm speaking to the amazing Terry McGilbert and Terry, like me, is sober. She stopped drinking alcohol back in 2019 and since then she has set up a page, um, an account on Instagram where she basically shares her journey and this page has grown massively. She's got a lot of followers on there and her content, which I really respect and relate to in terms of what we're trying to do with this podcast is very open, it's very honest, and it's really well presented. So it's it's really easy to kind of follow and read. And I just think it's so inspiring, even if you are someone that wants to just look at your alcohol use and maybe reduce it or understand it a bit more, or maybe you are ready to take that step towards releasing, giving up alcohol. Terry's page is full of so much wisdom and support and her own stories. She also has an amazing podcast herself, which is Sober Stories for Everyday People. I'm going to put the links to these resources in the show notes. So I do encourage you to check that out. I think shared experiences is so powerful. And that's something that we talk about in this podcast. She also 
has a free ebook that you can just download. You don't need to put your email in, which is all about her approach to giving up alcohol. And there's loads of practical tips and resources in there and books. And we talk about some of this in the podcast as well. So I'll put all those in the show notes. And Terry is 44. So I think she gave up alcohol when she was 41. Um, excuse my math. She lives in the south of England in Poole and she's married. She's got three girls. So real girl power household. <laughs> and she works full time as well as does this. So I think that's quite amazing. This really is her a passion of hers. And like I said, she's been sober since 2019. So in this episode, we really go into her journey and her relationship with alcohol, going back to when she was younger and when she got into drinking. We also talk about some of the underlying reasons why, looking back through older wise eyes. And we talk about this kind of common feeling of loneliness. She is very open and honest about the relationship she had with her mum. And then later on, her divorce from her husband and how these big life events kind of impacted her, but also on reflection, what they taught her about her and her relationship with herself. And ultimately, that was the journey after stopping drinking the alcohol was to go on this kind of self-discovery quest to really finding herself. There is so much in here. Um, (laughs) Terry really is a wealth of knowledge, but also energy and inspiration. You can really see that she loves life and she's really living it to the full and she wants to bring people with her. Um, So I'm so grateful for her openness and honesty. And I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did, wherever you are in your alcohol journey. So without further ado, let's get into episode 13. Hi, Terry. Welcome. Hello. Thank you very much. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. I'm I'm over halfway into my week back at school with two oh. kids. <laughs> so um, you know, I it's all right. So far I've lost a cardigan and a pack of Mac and a, <laughs> and a brand new water bottle. So uh yeah, do do it okay. Because you're in England, aren't you? You're south of England. I'm Scotland. So Bonnie went back mid-August. Not lost anything, but we still haven't got the uniform that we ordered. So she's going in her own dress. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I know. It's, they just take so much organising, don't they, the kids? So today when I was um, doing a little bit of shopping in town to get some things, I was ordering a planner, A4 planner to go on my fridge, magnetic thing so that I could write. Because it just seems like this year, because they're... My two girls are seven and nearly nine. They've just got such a packed week now. They're both at the same middle school this year, which is a great relief. But they have, you know, swimming. They both have two PE days. They have guitar lessons. They've got forest school. And there's just so much admin. It blows my mind. Oh, my God. Well, well done. Like, I'm not quite there yet with that level. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I'm like 
Dan, you deal with the email. Yeah. The emails go to him because he's very organized, whereas I'm more my ADHD. Um, yeah, I'll just like sort it last minute. It always gets done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the main thing. Yeah, I, I, I think I get a bit, to be honest, I get a bit neurotic with it. And uh, I'm really aware in the morning when I'm getting frustrated that things aren't organized. I'm transferring all my stress to my young kids. And I'm sort of aware of doing it in the moment thinking, oh, God, Terry, shut up. <laughs> It's the morning though, isn't it? And then for me, I don't know what your, um, once Bonnie's gone to school, I almost have this like fanning about hour where I just have to reclaim my nervous system and my own space. <laughs> and I do exactly that. And then I get into my work. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds, uh, I should probably take a leaf out of your book. I usually carry on that hecticness all the way up to, I, yeah, get to about nine o'clock at night, so... I'm dying to ask you, we've met on Instagram and it is wonderful, isn't it, for like connecting people. And I saw your account and I just thought I need to speak to you. I'm dying to ask you about your podcast and how you're finding that. Yeah. Um, do you know, it's uh, I, I'm absolutely loving the podcast um, I, I'm, I'm really, I've sort of settled into it a little bit now. Obviously, you're in this zone as well. It is quite scary when you launch a podcast. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't have any great plan to do it either. Um, to be honest, my Instagram page and everything I'm doing uh, in this uh, sober community that I'm in at the moment has all just sort of not been planned. <laughs> So, um, so it's it's growing a lot. The podcast is doing, uh, I think it's doing really well. Um, I've got thirteen episodes out there, and um, I've got a, a, I've got, I've got basically three people booked in between uh, now and Christmas every single week. So it it, it does feel it's very organised, but I, I also do work full time, <laughs> and I've got three kids, and I sometimes I think. Uh, this is a bit mad what what am I doing but yeah no I'm I'm loving it that's amazing I mean I'm gonna ask you about you but how are you finding the vulnerability aspect like my tagline is very much about leading with vulnerability and I probably spent the first couple of months with a vulnerability hungover like I'll come off the episode like oh, should I should I have said that oh, I didn't say that oh my god I'm not gonna listen back but actually <laughs> how, how are you finding yeah do you know it, it's such a great question and um I feel like I've been in this practice mode with my vulnerability for the last six months because I always had a uh, sober Instagram page which is sassy sober mum um and for the first year I was quite active and then in the second year I kind of forgot about it a bit because I just started living and sobriety was just my way of life and so I didn't you know wasn't as active on it at all just sort of the main milestones and then approaching year three I thought you know I'd really like to write a book about this um and so what I'll do is I'll go and I'll, I'll sort of reinvigorate my page a little bit and I think I had about a, a thousand followers um and this is kind of in March time this year um and one of the things that I just felt drawn to do was to be really open about my drinking experiences. And some of those are quite dark and quite embarrassing. Mm. And I also post um, a, a lot of not so nice photographs to sort of help tell that story. Yeah. Um, and I was overwhelmed by the response, to be honest. So many people sort of came out of the, the darkness 
um, if you like, and just said, oh, oh, my God, I, you know, you're, it's like you're writing my story. And you, I could just tell that it was having an impact. Mm. And the community has grown really rapidly in, in, in this last six months. It's sort of about 33,000 at the time of uh, recording this podcast. And it seems to grow, you know, every day, every week. And more and more people just seem to be so grateful for yeah. vulnerability that actually... I, I I can't I feel like I'm being vulnerable with my you know with my local Sainsbury's person I just can't stop doing it now <laughs> it's like going over the top with being so brutally honest about everything so maybe I think my husband sometimes finds that a bit like yeah okay I just I was just asking a really simple question about this <laughs> it's, it's um it is amazing and it's a I know what a brave act that is and I can imagine the momentum was kind of built because of the reception the engagement the response the reaction you were getting um but to actually do that and like you said talk about some of those messy moments is kind of like which we will go into (laughs) a little bit I'm sure must how was that how do you find talking about because I listened to the first episode of your podcast where you shared your story and you answered your own questions yeah um really good idea um (laughs) how did you feel about like sort of sharing that because I know on Instagram you'll do different you'll do posts and you'll write things and stuff but to like vocally kind of say it out loud how was how was that yeah I think it, it has been incredibly healing and that's been such a positive byproduct really of this process um you know, when I uh, started being more explicit and sharing um, more of my, yeah, my, I guess messy behaviour and my deepest, darkest thoughts about myself and, and basically, you know, putting myself out there and saying mm. I had a real issue. I didn't love myself very much. I didn't like myself very much. I, I never felt good enough and, you know, all of these sorts of things. So the positive the response has been so positive in in the community and that every single day I wake up to maybe 20 messages of people saying how grateful they are and they tell me their story or they're inspired it just really like I say really fuels that and and I have found it just yeah it's really healed me as well that process of being vulnerable to help somebody else just come out and be able to say, you know what, actually hold my hands up. I, I did that too, or I'm doing that thing now and I really want help actually is, yeah, it's cathartic. It's so incredible. It, yeah, yeah, it's incredible. It's positive really. It's not, it's not really, the, the only thing I think that has been, and my husband is so supportive. He has been my beacon in the whole getting sober, to be honest. He's been there for me. And he doesn't have an issue with drinking. He, he's He's one of these elusive people to me that can have one beer a year (laughs) literally um and so he doesn't you know sometimes I think he struggles to really understand my world um and I think sometimes he when he reads certain things I I do think he thinks oh that's that's quite dark and quite deep but you know he 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 accepts it and he thinks what I'm doing is amazing and when he goes on to my posts and he sees all the diff- different comments from other people and how it's helping them he, he obviously does feel really proud so it's yeah it's been it's been sort of I'd say that's the only little bit that's um maybe been no 
not a sticking point because it's not been that much, no, not that much emphasis on it. But I suppose you know there is my husband over there that you know I'm his, I am his wife, so he sometimes has to read those things that aren't aren't that nice. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, totally. It must have been a journey for both of you. And you're honoring your humanness, aren't you? And modeling that to your children as well. It's okay to be you. And actually, as we know, and which is kind of the nature of the podcast is we get a lot of strength from our struggle. But when we hide it, we stay stuck in it. And we suffer in that kind of silence which is so unnecessary and I think you're an example of that like it is not necessary there is another way there's another life there's so much on the other side and just going back a bit if you could tell me a little bit about you and I'd really love to know your kind of general outlook on life or approach to life that you've gained through this kind of experience which we'll go into yeah sure um so um, a bit about me. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm 44. I'm a mum to three daughters. So I've got a real girl gang. And uh, and yeah, basically, I, I grew up in the uh, late 70s and 80s and I had typical sort of, yeah, Midlands 80s childhood. My mum was a really like big drinker um and uh I think I just grew up in a time where yeah you got to 14 and you went to the park and got drunk and that's what I did and then that sort of that I think I think the first time I I drank I, I got drunk and then I never really didn't do that again I, I basically got drunk every time I drank I, I never learned to do that sort of let's have one or two to end and enhance our food type of drinking so I just I drank pretty consistently um during my 20s and 30s a lot of binge drinking at the weekend a lot of like oh it's Friday let's go um and you know sometimes that got a bit more messy and maybe there'd be party drugs involved in that as well and then when I got into my 30s I started to feel like oh I just want to I, I, you know, this life's got, there's got to be more to life than this. Mm. And I really wanted to have a family. Um, and I was in a relationship at the time where um, I think the partner that I had, we wasn't sure if he wanted a family. So I sort of waited a little bit. And then in my mid thirties, I had my first child. Mm. And um, then two years later, I had my second child. So I had two children quite quickly. And um, I'd gone from this sort of, um, you know, busy sales marketing professional always in a suit let's go out let's you know to kind of being a mum at home really wanted these children but I did feel very lonely and I think that I thought that that might sort of sort my lifestyle issues out and it didn't and I found that I just drank at home on my own and yeah and that and that whole kind of mummy wine was really ramping up that Mm -hmm. culture at the time that you know I and I just yeah, I just loved that culture because it, it justified what I was doing. And so um, anyway, after my second was born, six months later, my relationship broke down with the father. And that was a really, really, really difficult time in my life because I didn't want to be a single parent. I didn't think that was in my life plan that that would happen to me. And it kind of caught me off guard and, you know, at the time I had a nice lifestyle. I had sort of CEO husband was working 
uh well, we weren't married actually but yeah um but you know it was he was working a lot and and I was sort of staying at home with the kids and all of that went overnight and that was really frightening because I didn't have a job I didn't have any of my own income and I just yeah I think I was drinking a lot and I then just drank uh, probably more um and so anyway d- Around a, a year or two after that, um, I met my current husband. I was very lucky, I think, um, in that um, I met him and I sort of felt like all of the loneliness that I had been feeling that had been fueling, I think, a lot of anxiety and, mm. and a lot of my drinking seemed to ease a little bit. But he didn't drink very much and I was still wanting to drink a little bit, you know, well quite a lot <laughs> and I, I I just I think after the course of about a year or so of us being together I, I I did just I started to feel a bit embarrassed about my alcohol use and so um I sort of thought right I'm just gonna calm, calm it all down because I didn't I didn't want to um damage my relationship or anything and I went out with some friends on a night out some girl um, a girly weekend away and I got really 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 hammered um and I was obviously co-parenting at the time and on the Sunday morning I had to drive home really really quite uh hung over and I just I don't know I fell into a bit of a black hole a bit a bit of a, a depression to be honest and I just thought I can't do this anymore um and I knew that my kids were coming home and I was kind of dreading it to be honest because I just didn't have yeah I, I, I didn't have the mental capacity to deal with it um, and I just, I just decided to quit drinking, which makes it sound very easy, but obviously it's, it's, it's not that straightforward. But I just decided on that day, that's it. I can't do this to myself anymore. Something's going to happen. I'm going to get some health in- issues. I need to stop. Um, so flicking across into your question of um, how, how has that impacted my life today, like, if that's right. You yeah, your kind of outlook and approach. Yeah. To yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think what, what I would just say just before that bit is that, you know, getting sober is, it is hard, um, but it is possible. And, you know, anything that is really, really worth achieving is hard, I think. Yes. Enough. Um, and I sort of went into it with the mindset that I absolutely 100% do not want to have another night like that I don't want to drink again it's not adding to my life I need to get rid of it but the the steps that I took you know those steps that they take it they take at least a year or a year and a half to really start to feel I think really settled Mm -hmm. um but not to say that's not to say that you don't get immediate benefits so you know within a few weeks of not drinking my sleep was so much better um I, I was less hard on myself I started to feel a little bit more serenity in my day-to-day life. So I wasn't constantly managing hangovers or, you know, booze bloat. Um, Mm. And I think I started to, you know, I did a lot of work around gratitude and journaling and practicing gratitude and trying to find all of those special small little moments in my day. And I did that, you know, for um, the first sort of, well, six to 12 months. And over time, um, I started to develop this outlook that I just the only way to describe it is that I just I just feel so grateful yeah <laughs> I feel so grateful for my life now and I feel so grateful that I don't have this big thing hanging over me 
controlling all my thoughts. You know, when am I going to drink again? What am I going to drink? Am I going to go too far? Um, you know, I need to make sure that I don't, you know, black out the weekends. I don't want to say anything stupid and upset my husband, you know, blah, 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 blah. I just have this sort of inner peace, I suppose. Yeah. I, I trust myself now. I know that who's going to show up at the party is just me, just Terry, the one version of me, not, you know, drunk Terry or uh, crying Terry or over the top Terry or I'm going to talk all over you, you know, all of those different personalities that I personally you know could display when I was drinking um so yeah I just I just think that there is um there's a real appreciation and a gratitude and everything seems to have sort of settled down and it's it's quite simple my life now although I didn't make that sound that way at the beginning because it can be complicated with all the admin but you know what I mean is there's a simplicity in my life now it's not chaotic and that is just yeah, it's priceless. Yeah, I love that. And what a journey. I mean, to go through some of those big life events like separation and it, these are things that some people will never experience in their lifetime. To, it must have felt like it was an awful lot happening at once, but on reflection. What's your like gained understanding looking back through older, wiser eyes? Like, what was the reason you mentioned the loneliness? And I think this is such an important point that potentially you didn't recognize. I know I didn't when you're in it, Mm. but looking back, or maybe you did feel it. What's your understanding around kind of why you drank, um, specifically around, around the loneliness? Yeah, I think what I've learned um, about alcohol now is that virtually anybody that has um, a problematic relationship with drinking, um, and I say that because you can have a problematic relationship with drinking even if you have one bottle of wine a week. You can still feel bad after that one bottle, but there's this sort of you know, the culture today is that, well, no, you're not an alcoholic, so you don't need to stop, <laughs> you know, and that I'm trying to break that um, sort of stigma in that, you know, you can stop drinking just because it makes you feel bad, even if that's one glass or two glasses of, of wine yeah. a week. But yeah, I think I've, I've, I've realized that for me personally, and I do, and I do feel like I can say this on behalf of others, just because so many people share their stories with me now yeah people drink because they can't cope with life whatever that life might be so it might be feelings of inadequacy perhaps they're you know don't feel very good about themselves that's one of the biggest underpinning reasons I think why people drink is that that feeling of just not being good enough Mm -hmm. um but also to you know to man just manage difficult feelings you know a lot of the time life is tough Um, and I think that alcohol has been designed to you know it's designed to sedate you so if you take that drug which alcohol is it does sedate you and it just it takes the edge off so it that's why people want it to relax after their busy day at work or their stressful day with kids and for me I think when I was drinking as a single parent I felt I was so lonely to the point where it makes me feel quite sad when I when I say this out loud um, because I, I remember I would just sit and cry. Yeah, I felt so. I just I just felt so lonely, mm-hmm. and 
I think wrapped up in that loneliness was a lot of rejection. And for me, I think I have grown up in, in a situation where um, for, for whatever reason, I felt rejection from a young age. I had, I had a broken relationship with my own mum. We didn't speak for 15 years, so from 20 to 35, and then she died of breast cancer. Oh, wow. Uh, and, I, and I never, yeah, I, I, I didn't get to see her. But it's, that's a complicated thing for me because I wasn't seeing her for a reason because I, I implemented a boundary, which was quite good of me, I think, when I look mm-hmm. back. Like, that is a good thing that I did for myself. And, but it's also something that not a lot of people understand. Mm-hmm. People say, well, that's your mum. Why would you do that? But it's like mm-hmm. I had to protect myself from the constant disappointment and, the, and I suppose the rejection yeah. that I felt in my early life from her. And when I got to a point where I could move out and move away I, I did that immediately um so yeah I think I think I had a lot of rejection issues with with my mom I gravitated to partners that weren't quite right for me I think through my 20s and you know certainly whilst I would never bad mouth my ex you know he's my children's father and he is a good person and he does a great job um with me co-parenting I am very fortunate about that we just weren't the right sort of match really Mm. Um, I wanted a deeper love than he could give me I wanted you know I suppose maybe I wanted him to you know to just to, to be everything, to fix me and all of that sort of stuff, which, you know, I do realise now that you, you don't get that in life. You've got to do that for yourself. But back then, I just, yeah, I, I kind of gravitated to him. But he he was very busy with work. Um, and so there was a bit of an emotional rejection there as well. I don't think, you know, he didn't mean it, but that's just the way that he was. He was quite emotionally unavailable. And, I, and we were together for several years and I did drink a lot in that period. And I think I didn't understand the world around me. You know, I think you're right. It's only when we look back, I can see that I'm just drinking to sort of numb that pain, I think, that I hadn't quite chosen the right partner. But equally, I hadn't got myself maybe emotionally to the place where I needed to, to realise that a lot of all of those things I wanted had to come from inside me, not from other people. Um, So, yeah, I think that would be it. Loneliness, certainly, but a lot of that loneliness sort of being underpinned by that feeling of rejection. Yeah. And I can relate to so much of what you're saying. And I know it's it's difficult to share. I find it difficult to share when it involves other people, especially the maternal kind of (laughs) line and parents, because it's not about blaming or shaming but we know of those early attachment needs aren't met that connection that's the word that keeps coming back that you feel seen and validated and wanted as a child I think we go through life feeling almost wrong and lonely like there's something wrong with us like a child doesn't know if they're a good child in a bad environment And we essentially are a product of that. And yes, of course, as we get older, there's this like socially acceptable culture of drinking. In fact, it's the only drug we're encouraged to take, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And there is the party lifestyle, there's the social aspect. And, you know, I reflect over my drinking history. It's not all bad. Mm -hmm. Um, However, the underlying kind of deeply rooted thing was that, need for connection yeah I think I heard 
is it Andy Ramage say that I think he said something along the lines of it's the greatest discovery you'll ever make is your authentic self. Yeah. Gabor Mate also said that recovery, we're trying to recover something and that's recovering yourself, who you are. Yeah. And I don't know if you agree with this, but it is about relationships. It's not just about little old us, me on this planet, you know, it is how we connect with others. But I think the initial steps is that relationship with yourself yeah. and that self-discovery kind of adventure as I call it and being brave enough to go down that and once you know yourself better that's when you can start to kind of foster those bonds and relationships with others but I can totally resonate I looked outside of myself will be similar to you to fulfill something that was missing inside that potentially stemmed from early on yeah I think the authenticity part of this journey has been so eye-opening and again it just wasn't something that I was expecting and if I if you'd have asked me four years ago you know are you being real are you being really real Mm. um, with yourself and with the world I I would say absolutely yes but only now when I look back through this sort of new lens where there's more clarity because I'm not yeah blinkered by alcohol and booze and like you say fake connections and poor beliefs you know because my belief system was probably like a lot of people's in that you you believe you you need alcohol to have fun or you need alcohol for this reason and for that reason and to relax and to sleep and Um, they're they're all um they're all just beliefs really and so you know that when you look back when I look back at myself four years ago I would say you weren't being real Terry you weren't being real you you were afraid to tell people your truth all the time Mm-hmm. I think I was being what I wanted to try and be, if that makes sense, um, but not really who I really am. And I think part of this journey, the nicest part of this journey is being that process of acceptance. Oh, yeah. You know, I just think the acceptance, but, you know, this this is who I am. My, my husband would laugh because whenever we get into an argument, I'll say, but this is who I am. And he's saying, you can't say that, you know, and it's quite a funny line that we have between us. But but I really mean it in this context. You know, this is who I am today. Yes, there are things that I would like to um, improve. That, that will always be the case, I hope, because if you're not improving, you're not growing. Um, and I don't want to stop growing ever. Yes. So, you know, but accepting who you are, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, trying to improve on some of the things that you think you can do better. I just think that's a that's a really, really lovely place to be. And because I've accepted who I am, I can really speak from the heart now. And, you know, and yeah, and, and, and just that impact helps other people to speak their truth. And I just, yeah, that I think that's wonderful. It's like manifestation, isn't it? It's just, it's just so lovely. Um, oh, a hundred percent. And it's very freeing. And I'd love to know that kind of, I'm sure it's not one thing, it's a journey, but to acceptance, like what are the, some of the things that have really helped you accept yourself and I presume this has been post drinking when you've got the clarity in the headspace yeah. to kind of look within yeah. how have you what's been that process just a few things yeah I think I think one of the things that happens when you put the drink down is all of your feelings that come up you know you have to learn how to feel them because previously you'd feel something challenging and you just oh I need a glass of wine you know, so whatever those things are. For me, you know, particularly difficult moments will be parenting, for yeah. sure. 
Um, it has taken me years to get an acceptance for myself over the way that I parent uh, because you know what it's you, you, you know what it's like you, you know I feel like I do things wrong quite a lot of the time um, and I used to really berate myself for that um, and but I realized that I didn't have a great teacher in my life like my mum didn't model the sort of parent that I want to be mm. um, she she modeled in fact the opposite of, of what I wanted to be and in moments that are difficult with my children when they push me to the edge I feel like I sometimes mirror my mum that's what I was shown but doing that feeling through those feelings and learning that well that is because that's all I knew and don't be so hard on yourself Terry because you're having to learn this from scratch you know I mm -hmm. I haven't like many of people I don't have this rule book of how to look after children or guidebook or and I just think that um I think accepting that I am going to make mistakes with parenting but I can say sorry to my children when I get it wrong and I can try and explain to them do you know what I, I've actually you know I, I'm sorry I shouted at you you know mummy doesn't want to shout I, I've been really busy I've been stressed and sometimes that affects me you know just those sorts of conversations I've just found a a direction with my with my parenting that I've learned to accept because I yeah I don't, I don't know if I'm making any sense really there you are I think it's yeah. all <laughs> healing it's almost like you're the transitional character in your generational kind of history of, of I say trauma, but it's generational patterning, isn't it? And modeling. And you're choosing to do it differently. And differently is about being imperfect and honest. Mm -hmm. And it's about having those conversations in a child-friendly, depending on your kid's age, yeah. way that we are human and we do mess up. And do you know what? I bet if you look back where you apologize to, a lot of us never oh. had apology. We didn't have the repair. So we were left hanging like walking on eggshells well whose fault was that like it must yeah. have been ours and I think just the fact that we can acknowledge it even if me and Dan will both lose our words a bit and like Bonnie's much more articulate than us like she just says it how it is um where we're like uh but at least we're trying and the energy of that trying um I think is received because children kind of speak the language of energy don't they you know it's what we do not what we say and I think that attempt to kind of repair and be there and that connection speaks volumes yeah I think that's really nice I like the way that you phrase that um yeah and I think I think also as well um a big part of acceptance and this is something certainly that I see in the community that people really struggle with um is accepting who you used to be you know, under the influence of alcohol or alcohol and drugs and almost learning to separate that person from who you are today. And I think people, and I did as well, you get quite, they get quite wrapped up in the shame of the behaviour and the decisions that were made when they were drunk. Um, and yeah, I, I think there's a big piece there in sobriety to sort of look back with, try to look back with compassion. For me, I always say to myself and, and to, to others, you know, I was a good person trapped in a bad cycle. You know, at the end of the day, I've learned about alcohol now. I understand how alcohol impacts the brain. 
Um, and yeah, and just the way that it will, you know, the way that it is designed to change your behavior, that's actually not really your fault. You know, that that's just the way, that's what it's designed to do. Um, so I think for me, that process of accepting that, yeah, those things were horrible and, and I acted in a way that I'm disappointed in myself on, on many occasions. But, you know, that is in the past. I'm st- I'm a good person deep down in my heart. I'm a giving person. I'm a caring person. Um, and, you know, that that sort of identity, that drinking version of me is different to who I am today. And so by sort of separating that, it's helped me to process that shame. And that has been very accepting for me as well, that sort of acceptance bit. And I feel very comfortable. And it's just made me appreciate myself and love myself even more today. I think for me, it took me up until I was 41 years old when I stopped drinking uh, to really get to know who I really am. So I think until that time, from the age of 14 to 41, I just, yeah, I just, you know, don't get me wrong, I wasn't drinking every single day, but I, I just, yeah, I was just sort of drinking, flitting from one thing to another, choosing bad relationships, it's all that stuff. And then it was only when I stopped drinking at 41, I started to really understand what I really like, <laughs> who I really am. How how do I actually, um, how do I actually manage social situations? And I've just learned so much about myself and I think everything I've uncovered, I really like. <laughs> so yes. that's really nice. And that's beautiful because that is self acceptance and I really love kind of you know I like what you say about just consider how long you were drinking as well and when you stop all these feelings that were suppressed come up now I felt that like a volcano right it was just like but I knew what I was feeling was real what you feel is real and then you can kind of heal that um so I think it's such an important part and for some people it It is going to be, I remember when I've given up two separate things in my life, one was more um, toxic and (laughs) alcohol, Um, but it was very much about, okay, so now I'm left with me. That was the feeling. So now the work kind of began after that to discover who I truly was. And it is going back like 30, I'm nearly 42, but years of suppression as well so I think compassion is huge but also I don't know if you agree with this is looking back over your journey what you did then were safety behaviors they were totally understandable behaviors in order you for you to cope with some stuff that maybe was really complex and hard to understand and that journey is unique to you how long that takes and how you know the turning point which will kind of come to but I think that it's just acknowledging that that actually you wouldn't be you without those experiences and I know sometimes that's a kind of hard thing for people to get their head around but that's helped me accept my journey that yeah that person did well do you know what she turned to some maybe not very healthy coping mechanisms but now look type thing yeah and that's that's sort of triggered a thought in me as well actually um one of the things I picked this up from somewhere, um, I don't know where, but it is actually quite a sweet process to go through and it is quite nice. But one of the things um, I, I've done a few times 
in the last few years is try to look at myself when I was just a small child. Um, so sort of visualizing myself at five or seven or nine years old and just what my world looked like around me and what I was probably navigating um, and how I was, you know, probably really doing, like you say, doing my best with my surroundings and the best way that I knew how. And often when I do that, I, I, I feel emotional when I do that because I just want to put my arms around myself at that age, you know, considering, you know, when I got into teenage um, years, I started to make a lot of mistakes with drinking, drugs, relationships, all of that stuff. You know, I started to make some some mistakes and got into some, some situations I shouldn't have done. Um, and it's easy to immediately just feel a lot of shame for that. Mm. And I felt that shame through my 20s. And then, you know, drinking caused a problem in some of my relationships. And so that created more shame because the people were telling me, you drink too much, stop drinking, you're getting too crazy, blah, blah, blah. And I just felt like people were always trying to tell me what to do. Mm. Um, and the sort of rebellious part of me was going, just stop clipping my wings. And, you know, and I just I just was rebelling everything all the time. And and that carried on almost up until I stopped, like, in my, you know, very early 40s. So... When I just think about that child in me, I, I just think that child had a lot to cope with, you know, wow. that, that child. And that's also helped with my, um, the journey with my own parenting. You know, sometimes now I, I, I learned to look at the way that I parent my children and all the house that, that my, you know, we create for our kids. And I just, I feel so... Um, you know, I think they're so lucky, really. I know they will probably have their things when they grow up, and I'm sure, um, <laughs> you know, the mom's being neurotic about losing a pack of Mac this week, and, you know, that's probably going to scar my middle child. But, you know, I do feel like um, the world that they live in is its just it's so different to, to what I lived in, and that helps me to foster compassion for myself. Because, like you say, you know, those early years... Uh, from baby um, up until I don't know what what year it is but you know I know that they're very formative and you um, yeah the attachment styles and everything you learn it's all wrapped up isn't it it's all in your childhood um, it's massive and and you're right it's that inner child work isn't it it really is and it's it's not it's about including them and bringing along for the ride and integrating them. And actually you don't need to take the brunt of it anymore. Um, timeline therapy is a big part of what I do. Um, so I'm always going back or helping people go back. And it's not about um, bringing up like a can of worms or reliving trauma. It's about going to the earliest memory. And it's usually there that the greatest healing happens, but also our greatest resources. You know, they're not, they're normally layered under life's, layers of shite or hidden there and we can learn so much when we look back through older wider wiser eyes I actually did this with um, I've done it a few times but I did like a timeline once where I took Bonnie back to meet little Annie <laughs> like oh my god because you're so right you look at your kids and think oh my god I got goosebumps thinking about it like we're breaking cycles we're we're, we're doing things differently and um and we've learned so much and we're going to be changing the narrative like for the next generation it's huge raising kids who have got permission to be themselves and you know be authentic and be resourceful um so to actually take 
Bonnie is the strongest headed little strong-willed person you will ever meet. Little Annie, me, I was a good girl. I'm not sure if you were like this, but I kind of just did what I was told, which is very different to how I am now. But to be able to like take them back, it's so healing. And I think what you were just saying about visualizing that and acknowledging that that little person as a child took the brunt of so much and it has such a ripple effect on our belief systems and our inherited emotions and values and all these things and actually you know the alcohol it could be alcohol it could be drug it could be anything really Mm. today scrolling as well you know I'm not comparing these things but it's almost like a mask in an attempt to kind of numb and feel better and escape and whatever that is yeah absolutely and also food as well you know I've got a friend who yeah. who suffers with um food uh, addiction and he follows my Instagram because there's so many similarities in you know the alcohol and food addiction story so much and I know an addiction I love Gabor Mate's thing like not why the addiction but why the pain yeah I yeah. really love looking at it like that because you mentioned something that I can really connect with is as a teenager, you're you're kind of, I was seen as a black sheep. Mm. You know, my behavior was quite naughty and bad and rebellious, but it was just an attempt to get connection and feel where I fitted in in the world and, you know, to find myself really. I was soul searching in all the wrong places. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, 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 I, I'm going, maybe going slightly off here, but um, it's it's so interesting as well through the journey of parenting. You know, my oldest is um, about to turn nine, and I've got a seven year old, and I've got an eighteen month old. So I've gone right back again to the you know beginning. And one of the things that um, I know, uh, for example, when a child having a tantrum or is playing up, and it's always kind of used to be perceived as oh, this child's naughty, it's bad behaviour. Tell them off, tell them off, and. And I've, I've learned over time that that's just a cry for help as well. And that's been quite transformative for me that my, you know, when my children are, are acting out and playing up, I've learned to say, do you want a hug? You know, do you want a cuddle? And that always diffuses it. It's amazing. It's like the wonder. Um, and that's not to say you can't, you don't address the behavior, but in that moment, they're so stressed that they're, they're battling something internally. And I've, I've learned even in that nine years, because in the beginning, I just saw that as naughty behavior. And over time, because I've tried to improve my parenting techniques and, you know, and yeah, I just have, I've, I've seen now that that's actually, that something's going on in them that they need my help with. And by, you know, shouting at them, telling them off, which always makes it escalate. A hundred percent. You know, that doesn't work. And I mean, sometimes when my eldest, Annie, you know, this nine, when she was sort of three, four in that three-nager, four-nager uh, zone, which is very difficult, um, you know, sometimes that she'd be trashing her room and I'd be shouting. Mm. It'd just be absolute chaos. Mm. And I felt so out of control in those days and back then I was still drinking as well so you can imagine how much that was compounded you know my shame because I was just failing really uh, in my eyes whereas now I've just yeah I've got to that point through sort of learning different techniques that actually I, I never look at a child having a tantrum now as them being naughty I always see it as pain it's just interesting I just yeah oh, me too point. 
not yeah. not why the behavior but what's behind it you know yeah. what's driving it and I think because you have been able to accept um yourself and validate yourself you can validate them yeah you can see that and the same here and I don't always have like the perfect regulation tools but I am <laughs> much calmer yeah. and I'm talking in the last like two months <laughs> you yeah. know yeah. just all from doing some work I work with a parenting coach actually I've learned so much about myself and how I regulate my nervous system and I think it just makes us so much more accepting yes. but also we don't feel as disempowered in those big kind of emotional expressions we feel like we can be in it with them yeah. and yeah you know it's not easy if you're trying to get work done and get from A to B and get out the house mm. but you know what what I've learned is you put the work in now mm. we're going to save so much time later on oh yeah hope so <laughs> I hope so too because you know we get the teenage years I hope she takes after Dan but um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've got three three girls so they'll be hormonal and I'll be menopausal and my husband will be wanting to move out I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> but just think of all the wisdom and insight you have. <laughs> and you're just it's gaining those resources and tools isn't it to help you it's almost like that self-trust that you mentioned that when you get to the next challenge you trust yourself to be able to navigate it like you can call you can ask for help you're more confident in doing that and um I think that that's amazing I'd love just to know when you were in it kind of with motherhood what was the mask you wore so how did you present to the world because I can imagine what was presented and what was going on on the inside were kind of two separate things yeah gosh never been asked that question before um I think the the first thing that that came up then in in my head when you said that was probably fun mum was really important for me to be fun mum yeah Um, and and that would usually be the mum that had you know five bottles of Prosecco at the play date ready to be opened sort of thing and yeah just and then yeah just just fun mum I think I think that was the that was the mask um but I think probably looking back I I would have there, there would be two distinct sides to my personality back then there would be fun mum but then when everybody had gone home or everybody was in bed there would be quite sort of pensive almost maybe sad um mum it would almost be like yeah it'd be sort of two two different types but the one that I would show out to the world the face that I would put out there would be sort of fun for sure yeah I feel like you're that person now, but there's congruence. You yeah. genuinely are, like on the outside and in. Do you feel that? Yeah, I, I would say definitely. Yeah, I do. I mean, I do think my personality is is quite fun. Um, and yeah, I, I like to, I'm quite self-deprecating when it comes to my humour. So I'm very, very quick to put myself down or to, you know, to show my flaws and make a joke out of it. And I and I do that because I'm I'm not embarrassed of them, you know, I'm not embarrassed of of who I am. But yeah, I would I would agree with that. I still think that I have that quite smiley, you know, energy and fun. But I just I yeah, I know when to be serious and when to make a serious point. But I think everything now has intention behind it. So most of my personality is sort of quite sunny, quite happy-go-lucky. There are times when, you know, it's not all sunshine and roses and rainbows. Um, 
But I communicate a lot to my family, to my husband and to my children. This morning I was, you know, I didn't have a brilliant morning with the school run and and I, and I said to the girls on the way to school, you know, mommy's feeling a bit tired today and it's first week back. And I know, you know, it's it's difficult for you guys settling in, but it's also difficult for mommy because she's got to get you everywhere and yeah. <laughs> drop the baby off. And so I just sort of, um, I said, I've said, I'm not really feeling very good today. I'm feeling a bit tired and I'm feeling a bit, you know, and, but, you know, da, 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 da. so I don't know. I, I think, yeah, I, I think um, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, it, I am still fun, but. I think it's it's just it's not permafun, if that makes sense. I think that's what I'm trying to <laughs> It's real life, but yeah, it is it is more congruent, I think. And I think also it's kind of going back to maybe seeing life through the eyes of a child a bit more and being able to be playful. And I don't know if that's because maybe, you know, when we go through hard things that we lose some of those years, but actually it's about to re-engage with that child and and have a bit of fun. Like life gets a bit serious I know that that is a value of mine but I forget it falls off the list from time to time but ultimately I like myself more when I'm having fun like when I'm laughing and I'm being a bit silly um I love that and just to finish I'd love to know about your work that you do and kind of free main resources or tips to people this I feel like there's so much we haven't covered but there's so much we have and I know people are going to get so much from this but if there's someone sat at home thinking yeah I can relate so much of what Terry's saying I would like to you know either remove give up or release however you see it alcohol what would be your advice or your learnings that you've learned from your journey and speaking to all the people you've helped on the podcast oh such a great question um I would say, uh, so depending on where where you are um, in the thought process, um, I would say um, be sober curious to start with. So if you're having a feeling like, oh, you know, my alcohol um, use is a bit annoying sometimes or it's getting me down or actually I don't really know if I'm getting what I think I'm getting from it anymore I would say be really curious and what that means is you can follow people like me on Instagram I post every day um most of the time it's quite deep reflective stuff um and it will be I I try to post content for people that are sober curious which is that bit before people get sober that are newly sober you know maybe they're in their first week or six months or people that have been in sobriety um, mid to long term. So I try to post a variation, but a lot, every well, everything I post is all based on my personal experience. And um, I just, I'm, I'm quite good at putting a story out there that, that, you know, there'll be part of that story that you might identify with. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you follow people like, like me and other accounts that are, um, showing that kind of that positive side of sobriety, but also are, are able to give you that helping hand. Yeah. Um, and that's a really great thing to start with. I would also say, try to read some books. There are so many fabulous mm-hmm. books. It's called Quit Lit, this genre. Okay. Um, and um, so, so the books that I would recommend that you read in the beginning are The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober, which is by Catherine Gray beautiful book nearly everybody loves it I the the book that changed my life personally was the easy way to stop drinking by 
for women by Alan Carr. Um, he does a smoking book as well. But that that was transformative for me because what it did is it taught me that there is nothing to desire about alcohol. That's your belief system. Mm. You think you're getting something from it, but actually you're getting nothing. And it helps you to um, reframe your perspective around all of that, which I find completely life-changing. There's also This Naked Mind by Annie Grace, fantastic book to get into in the early days. Um, and there's a new book on the on the scene called Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker, And uh, that's absolutely amazing as well. So I would say uh, do, do, do some of the Sober Curious work and list, start listening to podcasts because I was listening to a podcast every day in the beginning, sometimes two a day. Um, but that's very much if you wanted to really maybe get into sobriety a little bit more heavily. But if you are still just toying with the idea, for me, I think the biggest missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle for all of this is the educational side. You will have fear about getting sober. And what you need to do is give yourself data and information to help you work through some of those fears. Now, in terms of resources, I've mentioned already I'm on Instagram at Sassy Sober Mum. Uh, I've also got a website, sassysobermum.com. And on there, I've got a free ebook that you can just download straight away. You don't even have to put your email address in. I'm not trying to sell anything to you. Um, so you can just, you can, you can download this ebook and it's a light read, but there's maybe 20 different points uh, to help you prepare yourself for or in early sobriety. And that's things like navigating social situations, how to set your expectations on what's going to happen, how to shift your mindset around approaching not drinking, how to do holidays, how do you feel your feelings, what do you do when you get a craving, you know, blah, 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 blah. All this stuff that's just my personal experience, I've put it in a free ebook format for people. So yeah, they're just some of the tools that, um, that, uh, well or some of the tips I would say um listen reading listen to podcasts I've also got a podcast and yeah get into the community side of things and just just start seeing what people are saying and and just sort of pull the bits out of other people's posts and stories that connect with you and build on that yeah I love that and I would just echo your podcast and the shared experiences I think you know that's so liberating to hear other people that are going through it being through it and their experience and just and there's so many resources I'll put the links to those in the show notes by the way from your website and podcast and just to finish on and I appreciate we could go on why do you think so many mums mask and suffer in silence uh, I think it has a lot to do with shame. And I think that shame comes from not being good enough. I think we put too much pressure on ourselves. I think we're embarrassed to admit when we get things wrong for, for, for whatever reason, um, probably messages that we've had in our own childhood or society. Perhaps we follow accounts. And, and I would say I do think there's a shift, actually, um, in social media, which I'm very happy about. There is a shift. It's not now all about the glossy, look how perfect my life is. There's more accounts that are showing the, you know, the, the, the rough sides of life, if you like. And I think I welcome that so much because I think it's too easy to compare ourselves to others. It's too easy to put ourselves under pressure. It's too easy to feel shit about who we are. And that is 
yeah, part of the reason we feel so much shame. And that shame drives negative behavior. Um, and I think if we can just start to try and accept who we are and follow more inspiring accounts that are showing the more rough sides of life yes. and maybe questioning our alcohol or other things that you feel might be problematic in your life and just try doing life without anything, just you. What would that life look like if you walked down the road of life and you were just being you without any other substances or anything changing your state? Just you. Could you do it? I bet your bottom dollar you could. <laughs> That's so motivating. And I totally agree. And it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning, that whatever is worth doing yeah. is not necessarily going to be easy. It's easier to feel like shit. But hey, we're braver. We're more than that. We're worth more than that. So such amazing wisdom. Thank <laughs> you so much. I can't believe it's been an hour. Thank you for your time. And um, yeah, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I cannot wait to have you on my podcast. <laughs> so that's exciting as well. But um, no, I've, I've, loved, I've loved this chat and um, anything to help inspire other people, um, especially other mothers that have million things on their plate and are juggling a lot. Yes. I'm delighted to be a part of that conversation. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. And I'll put where people can find you and follow you in the show notes. And I really encourage that um, you do that. So thank you, Terry. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Wow, thank you so much, Terry. That was awesome. I feel that we could have talked for a lot longer. <laughs> I still had a few notes and questions jotted down, but please do go and follow Terry's account. There is so much on there. And like I said, I've put the um, links to her free ebook and her website in the show notes and the books that she recommended as well. Um, so you can go and check those out and do let us know what you enjoyed about the episode. What was your biggest take home? What resonated the most? Where are you on your alcohol journey? What is your relationship like with alcohol? I would love to know. It's definitely a subject that I'm going to record further episodes on. And if you would like my help, there is a link also to book a discovery call. Just drop me a message or an email and I would love to have a chat with you. If you are feeling depleted and overwhelmed and like you're living in this kind of survival loop, but you know there's so much more, I would really love to chat. Also, I mentioned about my program, Rediscover You Behind the Mother Mask. It's a good thing when you smile when you say it, isn't it? It's going to be a good thing. That is still being worked on. It's still, oh, I can't get my words out. I'm in the process of that, but it is moving forward. So I'm going to be really excited to share that soon with you. Okay, well, I hope you have a great week and I will be back next week with another episode of Behind the Mother Mask. Take care.